Good morning. Whether you're joining us online or here in the church, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Reverend Chris Jimerson, and my pronouns are he, him. I am thrilled to be with you today. As we work to build the beloved community, we welcome all who yearn to create more love, more justice in our world. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. And it's in that living tradition that I I invite you to welcome the holy among us this morning by turning to those around you or saying hello in the comments. Good morning. I am Nathan Lawrence, and I invite you to say the words to light our chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggles becomes our salvation. Our call to worship today is by Donna Markova. I will not die an unlived life. I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days, to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, more accessible, to loosen my heart until it becomes a wing. A torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to me as seed goes to the next as blossom, and that which came to me as blossom goes on as fruit. One of the things that binds First UU Austin together as a religious community is that we have a common religious purpose. For First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, that common purpose is the mission. The congregation wrote it together, we emblazoned it on our wall in the sanctuary, and we say it together every Sunday so that church participants may carry it in our hearts throughout the week more readily. Let's say it together now. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Our reading today is by Jan Richardson from Circle of Grace. Beloved is where we begin. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are. Beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. I cannot promise this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger or thirst, from the scorching of sun or the fall of the night. But I can tell you that on this path, there will be help. I can tell you that on this way, there will be rest. 
I can tell you that you will know the stranger, the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road such as this, that fly to meet us bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves toward our ear and with a curious insistence whisper our name. Beloved, beloved, beloved. This is the time in our service when we center ourselves together. We're exploring fear and flourishing in our service today. And so I invite you into a mindfulness meditation for moving through fear. I invite you to settle into a comfortable position. Close your eyes if you wish. And take a few deep breaths in and out. Now concentrating on your breath, I invite you to bring to mind something that can cause fear or anxiety for you. For today, let us begin with a relatively minor fear, a fear that may be troublesome but not overwhelming. And allowing yourself to hold this fear to feel it without trying to push it away. Repeat quietly to yourself after me, I am afraid. Breathing in and out. Now say quietly to yourself after me, I feel fear. Notice the shift from I am to I feel. Continuing your breathing and experiencing this shift I invite you to repeat after me. I am aware of feeling fear, and fear is welcome. Notice the shift to observing awareness and welcoming your feeling. Rest in this awareness for a few more deep breaths. Finally, I invite you to repeat after me. May I be at ease. May I be at peace with what is. May I carry this ease, this peace, with me. Now I invite you to take a few more deep breaths 
and slowly return your attention to your surroundings. I invite you now to light candles if you're so moved, candles representing sorrow, joy, remembrance, resilience, hope, whatever is in your heart at this time. May we also hold in our hearts the joys and the sorrows of all in our beloved community within these walls and beyond. Now as the music begins and we light our candles, let us hold the silence together throughout this meditative time. In times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. And when the broken hearted people living in the world agree, Let it be, let it be, let it be. 
one last candle for all those for whom there is no one to light a candle. Well, here we are. (laughs) Just a plain old regular Sunday service. (laughs) Nothing unusual happening. What? Oh, right. It's the Sunday before Halloween. We have little ones dressed as ghosts and goblins running around, as well as a few adults. But other than some irregular attire, nothing else major going on. Well, there is that whole congregational vote happening this afternoon. If you're visiting with us this morning, I should explain that the members of this church will gather after the service today to vote on whether to call a new settled minister. The candidate for that being me. (laughs) Now, some folks have shared that they're feeling a little bit apprehensive. And that's okay. I'm right there with you. I love this church. And I love this ministry. And we can let that apprehension inform us that something of consequence is happening in the life of the church. And knowing that, if we go into this afternoon informed by our love for this church and this faith, no matter what happens, we will all be okay. There will be an answer. I wanted to start by getting that out there because y'all need to know that I am terrible at the elephant in the room thing. (laughs) Maybe because I grew up in a culture that discouraged verbalizing uncomfortable issues, these days I'm just no good anymore at leaving important matters left unspoken, even if speaking them can sometimes be scary. Our topic today is fear and flourishing, so it felt fitting to go ahead and get that out there. So, now let's talk some about fear on this Sunday before Halloween. In his inaugural address, Franklin Delano Roosevelt famously said, The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, even though I'm personally a great fan of FDR... My hope this morning is to convince you that FDR was wrong about that. I know, blasphemy, right? Bear with me. You see, while I agree that depending on our response to it, fear can either paralyze us or lead us down perilous paths, 
I also think that paying attention to fear in a centered, mindful way can set us on a journey toward flourishing. Fear serves an evolutionary and perhaps thereby spiritual purpose in our lives. Ignoring or suppressing us can lead us into harm's way. Now, fear is centered in the older parts of our brain from days long ago when we humans were much more subject to predators and environmental extremes. It helped us protect ourselves by generating an automatic and autonomic response. When we feel fear, that older subconscious part of our brain, largely the amygdala, causes a number of stress hormones to be released into our body. Our heart rate and breathing to quicken, our blood pressure to increase, our blood flow to supercharge our limbs. In other words, without even thinking about it, we are ready to start throwing punches or run for our lives. The problem can become that in today's world, these automatic responses that got embedded into our unconsciousness so long ago, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, these responses can work against us these days if we just engage in them reactively without thinking about them, without choosing how we respond. Here's something that happened to me that both illustrates how fear can be extremely valuable, perhaps even life-saving, and that contains examples of how I went through every one of those four fear responses. When I was about 19 years old, I went to dinner one evening with a group of my friends from the Lamar University Theater Department in Beaumont, Texas. We went to Bennigan's, gourmet eaten in Beaumont back in those days. All of the guys in our group, except one, were gay. We were theater students. I don't think we were particularly inappropriate that evening, though we may have gotten loud and obnoxious. We were theater students. But when we walked out to the parking lot to go back to our cars, a group of guys that were several years older than us and much bigger than most of us followed us out and quickly surrounded us. They were yelling gay slurs at us. They accused one of my friends of having flirted with them. My first instinct was to try to run to the car, the flight instinct, but we were surrounded. One of them grabbed my friend's shirt and raised a clenched fist in the air as if to strike my friend. Without even thinking, I moved toward them. The fight response A couple of the other guys grabbed me and pushed me down over the hood of a car. I started to struggle, but then I remember thinking that we needed to try to calm this down or things might get really bad. I stopped struggling and froze. The freeze response. The guy who had grabbed my friend snarled at him, apologize, you and called him another gay slur I will not repeat. 
After a while, my friend said quietly, I'm sorry. And after a moment, I said, we didn't mean anything. That was really hard. That fawning. It felt terrible and humiliating because we hadn't done anything wrong. It did seem to calm them a bit, though. And more people were coming out of the restaurant, and they finally released us with a few more grumbled warnings and slurs. Later, as they drove away, I saw rifles mounted in the back window of one of their pickup trucks. Oh, and my friend they had accused of flirting with them was the one straight guy in our group. (laughs) Of course. Fear may have served its purpose and saved us that evening. Now, I think it may also be instructive to think about common childhood fears, some of which are innate. Loud noises, large animals, monsters under the bed. Or to think about the common phobias, fear of heights, fear of spiders or snakes, claustrophobia. It's fascinating that so many of these represent things that actually could cause us harm. Loud noises can mean a storm is coming or a locomotive is bearing down on us. Large animals, spiders, and snakes can sometimes be dangerous. We can get hurt if we fall from a large height or get trapped in an enclosed space. Those monsters under the bed might be warning of threats lurking just outside of our awareness. So, we need these fears, even though there is also this risk of them becoming exaggerated and taking over. In fact, being without fear is dangerous itself. As a group of scientists who have been studying a woman I will call Samantha have documented Samantha has this rare condition which causes calcium deposits in her amygdala, so she no longer has a fear response, though she does feel other things. Samantha has been held at knife point twice, gunpoint twice, and nearly beaten to death as a result of not having our built-in danger warning system called fear. She just walks into dangerous situations. She has had to be restrained from playing with poisonous snakes. Now, she tells the story of walking to the store one time when this man beckoned her to sit beside him on a park bench. Having no fear response, she did. He grabbed her, held a knife to her throat, and said, I am going to cut you. Well... Absent any fear, she replied, Go ahead. I'll be coming back and I'll haunt your ass. Her words, he didn't cut her. So you see, Samantha's lack of fear has gotten her into these dangerous circumstances sometimes, and it has also sometimes helped her survive those circumstances, kind of like how being able to manage and channel our own fears might benefit us all. 
In fact, scientists have discovered that Samantha also does not experience trauma, which in some ways might be thought of as a tremendous fear response that simply fails to turn back off. And this has led to using alternative therapies for trauma that help diminish ongoing fear, like the meditation we did earlier. And that matters. It matters because not being able to manage our fear responses can be dangerous to us. As writer Shel Silverstein described in his poem called Fear. Barnabas Browning was scared of drowning, so he never would swim or get into a boat or take a bath or cross a moat. He just sat day and night with his door locked tight and the windows nailed down, shaking with fear that a wave might appear, and cried so many tears that they filled up the room. And he drowned. (laughs) We can't allow ourselves to drown in our fears. And neither can we deny our fears or try to heedlessly just fight our way through them. A Buddhist wisdom parable tells of a young warrior who has been told by her instructor she must go into battle with fear. When the day comes, she approaches fear with respect and asks permission for the battle, asking him how she might even stand a chance against him. Fear replies, My weapons are that I talk fast and I get very close to your face. Then you get completely unnerved and you do whatever I say. If you don't do what I tell you, I have no power. You can listen to me, and you can have respect for me. You can even be convinced by me. But if you don't do what I say, I have no power. In that way, the student warrior learned how to dance with fear rather than to try to defeat it. I love that image of dancing with fear, not trying to battle it. I think that sometimes that's why we find ways to revel in our fear responses, like with extreme sports, horror movies, scary amusement park rides, Halloween, We're learning to dance with fear in smaller steps, with less risk involved. Kind of like how we often treat phobias by starting with small doses of an exposure to them. And so much of what we do together as a religious community also helps us dance through our fears communally. Our rituals, our rites, our spiritual practices, the community of care and support we nurture. I love that in our story for all ages, the witch asked for help. They ran off the dragon together. 
we are not alone. We can ask one another for help. We can lean on each other. And let's face it, on top of all that we encounter in our individual lives, we face some very legitimate communal fears these days. A climate crisis that seems to accelerate with every sunrise. Mass shootings. Two wars, one of which threatens to engulf an entire region and potentially spawn violence well beyond it. Another waged on one side by a malevolent narcissist with access to nuclear weapons. A U.S. political system plagued with an ever-growing strain of authoritarianism. Almost a quarter of our public now believing violence to achieve their political ends is justified. And don't get me started on the short-sighted, mean-spirited, theocratic harm and injustice we're witnessing right here in our very own state. Well, I could go on, and probably will sometime soon. <laughs> there is a lot in our world right now that is harrowing, harrowing because it's telling us that something important, something consequential is going on. And so together, together, we can help each other listen to what that fear is telling us without letting it tell us what to do. Together, we can counter the dragons of war, greed, injustice, oppression, and hate with courage, solidarity, and love. Together, we can dance through our fear and show up over and over again for justice. Together, we can meld our story for all ages and our anthem from earlier proclaiming to those dragons... Iggity, ziggity, zaggity, zoom, we won't back down. <laughs> Together, we need not fear, even fear itself. My beloveds, we do not journey through the valley of the shadow alone. We have one another. We have an entire religious community. We are rooted in a sacred web of all existence, nourished by a great river of love that flows through it. We are beloved. And from within that interconnectedness, something divine emanates. On this, 
just a plain old regular Sunday. Uh, please say the words uh, to extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Our hymn number 396, I Know This Rose Will Open, was the benediction when the first UU religious community ordained me into the UU ministry in February of 2015. It fits perfectly with our theme today, so we will put the lyrics up on the screens, and I invite us all to sing it together. I know this rose will open. I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will unfurl its wings. I know this rose will open. Go in peace. I send you much love. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.